0: Episode 70, Benjamin Franklin. Hi, my name is Clayton Mills. Welcome to A Short Walk Through Our Long History, a podcast where we look at the events of history and examine how those events shaped our modern world. Okay, I have to acknowledge at the start here that I probably should have put this episode about Benjamin Franklin before. Adams or Jefferson, because he was born before they were, and surely before Napoleon, but I was trying to follow the general flow of history, and Franklin in some way kind of transcends that flow, you know? He's undeniably one of the most important founding fathers, but at the same time, he doesn't ever become the lead actor on the stage in the same way that Washington or Adams or Jefferson did. But Franklin played a role in all the big moments. As I mentioned back in episode 64, there's only six people who signed both the Declaration and the Constitution, and one of them is Benjamin Franklin. I mean, just to say that you signed both of these documents makes you kind of a big deal, but Benjamin Franklin, on top of that, is arguably one of the most famous Americans of all time. On top of that, he's kind of the example of the American dream, The idea that by hard work and ingenuity, you can rise in society and grow wealthy and become influential in the world. Franklin did all of that. He was a writer, a philosopher, an inventor, an astute politician, and a leading intellectual in the Enlightenment. He founded organization after organization. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And the list of things he wrote as well goes on and on. The dude was Busy. Benjamin Franklin's father was born in England and moved to Boston with his first wife in 1683, so way back in the day. She died and Franklin's father remarried. Benjamin was his 10th son with his second wife and the 15th of 17 children total. So Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston on January 17, 1706. What a time to be born! His parents provided him with some early education, but he was mostly self-taught. At the age of 12, he was apprenticed to one of his older brothers as a printer's assistant. His older brother reportedly treated him very poorly, but Franklin learned the printing trade. He also started writing editorial letters for one of the newspapers that his brother's shop printed, writing the letters under the pseudonym Silence Do Good, who is supposed to be a middle-aged widow. The letters were well-written, humorous critiques of colonial life, for example, making fun of huge, hooped petticoat dresses, things like that. The Silence Do Good letters became wildly popular, And there's a lot of speculation about who this silence do-good was and where she lived now these are the letters that are referenced in the first national treasure movie the key in silence undetected when franklin's brother found out that benjamin was actually the one writing the letter he was furious and there's a story that he beat benjamin quite badly over this and at this point at about age 17 benjamin snuck out of boston mostly to get away from his brother and made his way to Philadelphia. Now, leaving an apprenticeship back in those days was a crime, and he could have been caught and put in jail. But he made it safely to Philadelphia, which was in another colony, so he was safe. He worked there as a printer in a couple of shops, and he had an opportunity to sail to London, so he sailed to London and worked in a printing shop there. While he was in London, He was exposed to a lot of Enlightenment philosophy, and he was apparently part of the coffee shop discussion crowd there in London. He was in London for a couple years, then he moved back to Philadelphia, where he established his own printing company. And this is where he begins to become wealthy and famous. While he was working, he was also voraciously reading, and he also started working on his own writing. I found this quote about his writing that I thought was still appropriate for today. Franklin realized, as all the Founding Fathers did, that writing competently was such a rare talent that anyone who could do it well immediately attracted attention. Prose writing became, as he said, of great use to me in the course of my life and was the principal means of my advancement. And he's right about that. His own prose writing was what made him famous, well-known, and actually wealthy. And that's still true today. As anyone who has ever graded a freshman essay can attest, the ability to write well is a bit of a dying art. People who do all of their writing on a cell phone and whose reading material is mostly memes, well, they're going to struggle to write well. But people like Franklin who learn how to write well, well, that can be their primary means of advancement. Eventually, you too could grow up and write the script for your own podcast. While he was a printer in Philadelphia, Franklin formed several philosophical groups, somewhat based on the groups he had been a part of while he was in London. He also founded the first library in Philadelphia, and he founded the Philadelphia Gazette, which became a successful newspaper. But he really hit his stride when he started writing and printing Poor Richard's Almanac which was an annual collection of observations about the weather, advice about planting and other household chores, and also had little bits of Franklin's wisdom. For example, the well-known phrases, a penny saved is a penny earned, and early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy and wealthy and wise. Those are all proverbs from Franklin that were printed in poor Richard's almanac. Publishing the almanac made Franklin wealthy. It sold more than 10,000 copies each year, which was a substantial number back in those days, and it was distributed all over the colonies. Even though Franklin published it under a pseudonym, Poor Richard, it was widely known, especially in Philadelphia, that he was the author, and this was also where he really became publicly prominent and famous. In 1748, he became a Philadelphia city councilman. In 1753, he took the post of the postmaster of all of the English colonies, and he substantially reformed how the mail was handled in the colonies. During this time, he also founded the first hospital in the colonies, and he founded a college that would eventually become the University of Pennsylvania. For parts of his term as postmaster, though, he again was shipped to London to live there. Now, while he was in London in this period, he was able to travel some and meet other influential people, including meeting the philosopher David Hume up in Edinburgh and meeting some French scientists in Paris who had already heard of his work with electricity. He also apparently met King Louis XV, and he would go on later to meet King Louis XVI. He might have been the only American to meet both of those French kings. Franklin left London in 1774 because he supported colonial independence, and there was a lot of resistance to that in London. When he got back to Philadelphia, he was elected by Pennsylvania to be one of the representatives to the Second Continental Congress. The Second Continental Congress named him the postmaster for the entirety of the colonies, the same post he had just held for Great Britain, but is now a colonial position. He also, during the Continental Congress, became friends with John Adams, and Adams asked him to be on the small committee that drafted the Declaration of Independence. Jefferson, of course, as I've said, wrote the initial draft, but Franklin had a hand in how the final draft turned out. After the Declaration was published, Franklin was appointed to be the official minister to France, and he went to Paris in October of 1776. The French loved him, and he became nearly as famous there as he was in the colonies. He was celebrated as an example of provincial success, and he played up that image. In France, he often wore a fur cap and dressed in plain colonial clothes rather than the fancy clothes of the French. He gracefully navigated French society, and he was able to build up support for the American cause, eventually becoming part of the reason that France sent troops and ships to support the revolution. Those troops, and especially the ships, were crucial to the American victory at Yorktown in 1781. Franklin stayed on in Paris as the American ambassador to France until 1785, when he returned to Philadelphia. At this point, he was as popular and well-known as George Washington. He was elected the governor of Pennsylvania, and he held this position until 1788. As the governor, he was the host of the Constitutional Convention of 1787, and he was one of the signers. But by this time, his health was beginning to decline, and so he didn't really take part in any of the public debates about the Constitution during the Constitutional Convention. Benjamin Franklin died on April 17, 1790, at the age of 84, at his home in Philadelphia. He had become an important player in many of the biggest moments of American independence, and he was someone who, like Washington, was universally admired. He was the only person, the only one, who signed the Declaration of Independence, the Treaty of Alliance with France from 1778, the Treaty of Paris, and the U.S. Constitution. In addition, he was a tireless supporter of American independence and of individual liberties. Though he never held office in the constitutional government, as Washington, Adams, and Jefferson did, he was at least as influential as they were. After his death, there was a huge funeral in Philadelphia, and days of mourning were declared in other parts of the United States. There was even a three-day mourning period declared in France by the new revolutionary government there. Franklin, for his own part, had written... His own epitaph, though it doesn't appear on his actual tomb. He wrote it when he was 22, and it goes like this. The body of B. Franklin, printer. Like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of all its lettering and gilding, lies here. Food for worms. But the works shall not be wholly lost. For it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. So even his epitaph shows his wit and some of his wisdom. It also shows that at least at the age of 22, he had some belief in a future resurrection, which is obviously a core Christian belief. However, later in his life, Franklin becomes more of a deist, though it's not even really clear what he believed since he was very generally vague when he wrote about his beliefs. So why does Benjamin Franklin matter today? How did he shape our modern world? He was an early example of what an American should be. Industrious, intellectual, inventive, influential, a self-made success, but still humble and witty. He was involved in civic improvement projects both small and huge all throughout his life, almost all of which were focused on making society better for everyone rather than just for a select few. He at hospitals colleges and several libraries and he left behind a legacy of writing that is both humorous and profound and very influential in shaping early American society and government it's probably fair to say that no single person affected the picture of what America was and what it should be and what an American should be more than Benjamin Franklin he also lived that picture out is it possible To still live a life like that today, I honestly don't know. He had strong principles and a strong sense of virtue. Virtue is doing the right thing, rather than what is easy or what is popular, and that seems to be sadly lacking in the public figures and political leaders of today. And one last way that Franklin was influential. He was a well-known scientist, conducting some famous experiments with electricity, His most well-known was when he proved that lightning was a form of electricity. Now, he did this by rather audaciously flying a kite in a thunderstorm. He stood inside a barn, and the kite string was connected to a length of silk, which he had already shown does not conduct electricity, at least when it's dry. And he also had a brass key and a primitive battery. As the storm grew around him, brass key began to give off static charges and he was able to capture that charge in a battery. This proved that lightning was a type of electricity. From this, Franklin was able to invent the lightning rod, which is simply a tall piece of metal that is attached to the top of a building. The lightning rod is connected by a copper wire to the ground outside the building so that lightning, instead of striking the building, will strike the lightning rod and be harmlessly routed into the ground. I bet if you go outside of your house, you will find some kind of wire going into the ground somewhere near the foundation. It's connected to a lightning rod on your roof somewhere, and it's there to protect your house from lightning. My house has one. Thank you, Ben. Benjamin Franklin was an early scientist, and in addition to the lightning rod, he invented the Franklin stove and bifocal glasses. He was an early example of the change in the way that the world was seeing itself as people's worldview moved from the Middle Ages worldview to the Enlightenment worldview, and towards scientific empiricism. This change is part of what will eventually become known as the Industrial Revolution. And since we've already looked at the American Revolution and the French Revolution, I think it's time that we look at the Industrial Revolution, which is, oddly enough, the topic of our next episode. So it's not a bad segue to move from Benjamin Franklin, who invented several new things, into the next episode on the industrial revolution, because this is really the beginning of a whole new age, the industrial age.